0: Okay, so as, as Rich said, we're thinking about this journey from being a believer to being a disciple and then being a person who equips others to be a disciple. So we've been looking at some spiritual disciplines that we can implement in our lives to help us to grow in our faith and to help us become equippers in the kingdom. So if you just have a look at this little acorn here, which I found today, no yesterday, And so that that acorn has incredible potential. If that acorn is planted in the right soil and given the right nutrients, this humble little tiny acorn could become a mighty factory that will reproduce thousands and thousands and thousands of acorns. So this is a miraculous little tiny thing but it's not planted in the right soil, if I just leave it here on my desk, nothing will ever become of it. It will just go brown and die, sitting here on my desk. And that was the picture that God gave us when we first started to think about spiritual and disciplines. It was just that simple picture of each one of us taking the faith, planting it in the right soil, and becoming everything that God created us to be. There is incredible potential in each and every single one of us, to become more than a believer, but to become someone who is advancing the kingdom of God and equipping other people to do the same. And church, we really want you to be equipped and to be equipping others. Rich and I don't want all the jobs. No way. That's not the type of culture that we're establishing. That's not the type of culture that we're leading, where we're people who are leading and we're doing the business with God and you guys are just, you know, sitting down on a chair, that's not what we believe at all, we believe in the potential of every single one of us to be doing kingdom exploits and to be ambassadors of Christ, so that's what we're teaching about spiritual disciplines, so that we can put things in place in our lives that help us become all that God created us to be, I'm going to speak today about the spiritual discipline of simplicity, so Lord I pray for your help And I pray for divine revelation and for Holy Spirit for you to speak above and beyond what I'm sharing into people's lives. Lord, I pray for um, everyone's ears to be open and eyes to be open and hearts to perceive what you're saying. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. Amen. And, yeah, so just to remind you of the spiritual disciplines that we've been encouraging you to... And um, implement in your life so far uh, we looked at silence the discipline of silence and solitude we looked at the discipline of prayer we looked at the discipline of the reading the bible studying in the bible we looked at the discipline of sabbath having a sabbath and we looked at the discipline of worship and adoration so all of those things that we want to be and. Um, Again, growing and developing in our lives. Did anyone implement a Sabbath? You can just show me by a show of hands. It's, it's really important. It's so important. Thank you, Makayla. <laughs> I see that, her. Huh? Okay. Um, so, simplicity. There's, there's a lot that I could say about the discipline of simplicity, but I'm gonna focus on, on one thing, and that is moving from affluence to generosity. It really is a matter of discipleship. I didn't know that I was rich before I was a Christian. I just thought I was normal. And to be honest, I am normal when I compare myself to the people around me, to the other people that live in Loughton and Buckerstill. In fact, I'm actually quite poor when I compare myself with the people that live on um, Alderson Hill or Sterleys Hill. I'm actually quite poor when I compare myself to the mainstream stars and musicians and famous people that flood our media. And then, of course, there's a huge influence of advertising on my heart, which is constantly reinforcing the message that I need more, I need more, I need more, and I need no, I need no, I need no the advertising is constantly fueling that very easily fueled fire that is greed, lust and envy. I need more and I need more. So I'm just an ordinary Western consumer. I'm not rich. I'm not greedy. I'm just normal. I'm just like any normal Westerner. I have so much stuff that I need a shed to put it in, and a garage, and more plastic storage boxes from Pirate's Den. I'm just normal. I have busy hobbies, annual holidays, I go out for meals and I go to the theatre. I'm just a normal person. That's what I thought. Until I read the book, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, by Ronald Sider, I don't know if any of you have read this but I read this early on in my walk with the Lord and this is what, this is what, it, this is what it says in the first chapter. To help us to imagine what poverty means, a prominent economic, economist itemised the luxuries we would have to abandon if we were to adopt the lifestyle of our 1.2 billion neighbours who live in desperate poverty. Not our neighbours in Loughton, but our neighbours around the world, globally. So, I'm going to begin by invading your house, or the house of any imaginary British family. First of all, we strip strip it of furniture. Everything goes. Beds, chairs, tables, televisions, lamps. We'll just leave the family with a few old blankets, a kitchen table and one wooden chair. Along with the wardrobes go all of your clothes. Each member of the family may keep in his wardrobe his oldest suit or dress, a shirt or a blouse, and will permit one pair of clothes
1: for the head of the
0: family but none for the wife or the children. And then we move into the kitchen. So all the appliances have already been taken out. So there's no cookers, no microwaves, no toasters, no um, blenders, nothing like that. And then we'll turn to the cupboards. A box of matches and a small bag of flour, some salt and some sugar. Oh, a few of the mouldy potatoes that you've already thrown out into the bin—they need to be rescued because they're going to be tonight's meal. And we'll leave for a few onions some dried beans, and all the rest have to go. The meat, the fresh vegetables, the canned goods, the sweets, the crisps. Now we've stripped the house, the bathroom has to be completely dismantled. The running water has to be shut off and the electric wires all have to be taken out. Now we need to take away the house. The family can move into the tool shed. And now all communications need to go. No newspapers, no magazines, no books, no internet. Not that there'll be much because now we need to take away all of your children's literacy. In fact, all of the family's literacy must go. No one can read or write. There might be one radio allowed in the whole town. And now all the government services need to go. No postman, no fireman. There is a school but is 3 miles away and it has 2 classrooms. There's no hospitals or doctors nearby. The nearest clinic is 10 miles away and has 1 midwife. It can be reached by a bicycle, but you haven't got a bicycle. Finally, money. We will allow this family a cash hold of £5. Pounds. This could possibly present the breadwinner from experiencing the tragedy of one Iranian peasant who went blind because he could not raise £3.94, which he thought was needed, to receive admission to a hospital where he could have been cured. I'm really grateful to God that I read that book when I was a, a new Christian because Immediately, my perspective completely changed. I realised I was actually filthy rich. If you earn £25,000 a year or more, you're in the top 10% of the whole globe. That's all the billions of people in this world. You're one of the richest 10%. And if you earn more than £34,000 a year, you're in the top 1%. the whole globe so that's the first thing just for our perspective to completely change we we are wealthy so what do the scriptures tell us i'm going to try and sum up the old testament in uh, nine words about what the, the old testament teaches share what you have they're the first four words Share what you have. And the next five words are take care of the poor. Share what you have and take care of the poor. But let's have a look at our ultimate authority, our rabbi. Let's see what Jesus said. Jesus had a lot to say about a simple lifestyle. I'm going to read from Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 22 to 34. Oh no, I'm going to to read verses 13 to 34, Luke chapter 12. So someone called from the crowd to Jesus, Teacher, please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me a judge over you to decide such things? And then he said, Beware, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured the abundance of our possessions. And he gave an illustration. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. In fact, all of his barns were filled, filled and overflowing. So he said, I know I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns and then I'll have room enough to store everything. I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you Enough stored away for years. Take it easy. Come and eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get it all? A person is a fool to store up earthly wealth but not have a rich relationship with God. Then turning to his disciples, Jesus said this, I tell you, don't worry about everyday life whether you have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. For life consists of far more than food and clothing. Look at the raven. They don't need to plant or harvest or put food in barns. God feeds them. And you're far more valuable to him than any birds. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. And if your worry can't do things like that, what's the use of worrying over big things? Look at the lilies and how they grow. They don't have to work or make clothing. Yet Solomon, in all his glory, was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for the flowers that are here today and gone tomorrow, won't He more surely care for you? You have so little faith. Don't worry about food, what to eat or drink. Don't worry whether God will provide it for you. These things dominate the thoughts of most people, but your father already knows your needs. He will give you all you need. From day to day, if you make the kingdom of God your primary concern, don't be afraid. It gives your father great happiness to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give it to those in need. This will store up treasure for you in heaven. And the purses of heaven have no holes in them. Your treasure will be safe. No thief can steal it, and no moth can destroy it. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart and your thoughts will be also. So what should we do? The first thing is to think, and hopefully... What I'm sharing today will make us think, we need to recognise that our lifestyles do have an impact. They have an impact on the planet that we live on, and on people. And everything that we consume comes with an environmental toll on the people and on the planet. So, one thing that we can do before we buy anything, we can, think to our, we can think to ourselves, am I harming the earth and am I oppressing the poor by buying this? So when we eat something, when we buy something to eat, it's about thinking, how did this get to my fridge? The food that we consume has been through a massive long process before it gets to our fridge and it's so easy to not even think about it. But who picked it? Who picked those tomatoes? Who picked those bananas? Who picked the cocoa beans to make that chocolate? Were they enslaved to do that? What animal suffered? How was was produce farmed before it ended up in a plastic bottle in my fridge? What was the process that took place? Was it something that would be pleasing to God? Or was it shocking cruelty? that would be an abomination to God? What about the packaging? What about the endless plastic packaging that all of our food comes in? What will happen to that packaging after it leaves my house? These are all things for us to think about so that we can be responsible in what we consume. And what about the clothes that we're wearing? Who made them? How did that get to my wardrobe? And what will happen with this piece of clothing when I'm finished it? We, we can make better choices. It's really, really complex. It's so complex because we live in a society, our society, where really the whole structure is full of injustice and bad for the planet. And it, it may be impossible for us to completely extract ourselves from the society that we live in and the way that consumerism works, but we can think about it and we can tread more lightly on the air. So we can think first of all, before we even go down the route of recycling, which is way, 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 way down the chain of actually changing things, we could actually think first of all, before recycling, but just to refuse, like, do I really need to buy this? When we do buy things, could we buy things that aren't, aren't packaged in plastic? Do we need any more clothes? Do we need any more shoes? Could we walk more places instead of getting into our cars and using fuel? Could we reduce our consumption, especially around Christmas time and birthdays? Do we really need to buy people presents and wrap them up? Do we really need to be so lavish in our celebrations on those times. And if we have used things, can we recycle the things that we have used? I'd really encourage you to educate yourself about things like slavery, and the, the impact that plastic has on the planet, and veganism. I know a lot of people take the Nick out of being a vegan, but I really feel that the Lord led me into that diet, because it is better for the planet, and. And the way that animals are treated is disgusting. I haven't got a problem. If I was to rear a calf on my balcony, that might not be the nicest life with a calf, but if I had a guest stand, I wouldn't have a problem with killing the fattened calf to celebrate with my family. That's one way of consuming meat. But how meat is mass-produced is a whole different story. Now, I know it might you might accuse me of being like a bit new age or, Oh, this isn't about Jesus but I really think it is I really think that being a follower of Christ is about being a responsible citizen and taking care of the world that we live in and the people that we can't see because they're not in front of us but they live miles and miles away and they made the clothes that we're wearing and I think it matters to Jesus how those people are treated and what their lives are like so I would encourage you to educate yourself. And I think one, one, um, one charity that is really amazing about this, about joining the dots between what we consume and, and where it comes from, is Tear Fund. And we can, we can learn a lot from Tear Fund's website and how they help us to learn about slavery and the planet. So, um, yeah, that's just one one tip. There's so many things, I mean, just Google stuff well, that Tear Fund approves. Okay, the last thing I want to say, and I really want to major on this, what can we do about having a simple lifestyle? And it's share. Um, around the same time that I read that book, um, Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger, I, I cut this picture out from the magazine. And I think really, it just kind of, there we go, it just really simply illustrates the point about sharing and that little cartoon person has got all of their money on their side. And then they're working out what, where, what, how much money to put into each thing. So it says clothes, household, food. And then one of the jars says poor people. So I guess what I'm saying is use what you need. Obviously, we have to pay our bills and we need to eat. But the rest everything else I think we should share it everything that we don't need and then sharing is something that our parents try to teach us from when we're really tiny no no you have to share you have to share we don't like sharing do we like how I many of you have had an argument with a two-year-old when you try to extract a toy from their hands to share it with someone else no that's not yours you have to share that and then it can cause tantrums There's something in us that doesn't naturally find it easy to share. But sharing is definitely a biblical principle. And in Leviticus, Leviticus 19, when when God was giving his people laws, he said, "Don't, don't harvest the corners of your fields. You leave the corners of your fields for people who don't have a harvest. That's for them. That was one of the laws that God gave his people. And then... All through the book of Acts you see it's a it's a big undercurrent through the book of Acts sharing. First of all, it is obvious, it's it's blatant in the scriptures when um when the first community of disciples was established, no one had any need because everyone shared everything that they had and they laid what they had at the apostles' feet, and then the um apostles shared it out amongst everybody. But then, all through the Book of Acts, one of the major things that Paul was up to, and it's not so obvious, but if you dig a bit deep, you can see it. He was collecting money from the new churches that he planted to to give to the the poor Christians back in Jerusalem. And he spent time on his journeys collecting money from the churches and then taking it to other people that had less money. So if you if you dig a bit deep, and there are a bit of a You'll see the big principle that Paul told the new church he was planting. And some scriptures about sharing. Isaiah 58, verse 7. I want you to share your food with the hungry. I want you to welcome poor wanderers into your home. Give clothes to those who need them and do not hide from relatives who need your help. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Um, 1 Timothy 6, verse 17-19 says, Tell those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which will soon be gone. But they trust in the living God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and should give generously to those in need." always being ready to share with others that God has given them. And then in Hebrews 13, 16, it says, don't forget to do good and share what you have with those in need for such sacrifices are very pleasing to God. So have a think about it. This is something that really you need to take to God and ask him about. But who, who can we share with? We can share with our church family, if there's anyone who is in need amongst us, you can share with your family, if there are needs in your family. You can share with the world. We, we have access to cavities who are doing amazing work with the poor around the world. Um, soon we're going to be sending you an email from uh, David, who's close friends with the family and Cambodia, who are doing an amazing missionary work out in Cambodia, and they need money to be able to send their son to school. And so um, David's currently writing an email that we're going to send around to the church. So when that email arrives, I have a think about it. Maybe we could share with that family so that they can educate their son while they're doing God's work out in Cambodia. Um, there are lots of charities where you can sponsor an individual child. And you can make a commitment to a child for their whole childhood to sponsor them and to lift them out of grinding poverty and give them an opportunity to be educated, to receive health care and to um, have a future out of grinding poverty. And those kinds of charities, uh, it's like 25 pounds each a month to sponsor a child and to completely, radically transform their lives. So they're, they're, that's someone else that we can share with. And um, you could find out by getting to know your neighbours who live around you what the need is or what the need is in Debton. There are lots of people in, in Debton even that um, yeah, that have needs for food and clothing and rent and bills. And there are ministries all over the world that are serving the poor that we can support. And it's something that Rich and I think about a lot when we think about um, tithing the money that comes into Epping Forest Community Church. And and Margaret is someone that we share with because she is doing the work amongst the desperately poor in Kurdistan. So we like to share with her, especially when she shares that they're running out of funds to pay their workers or they're running out of funds to finish building projects. Then we like to share with her. But I, I, I want this thought about sharing to be at the forefront of my mind so that I'm always ready. To be able to share when the need comes my way, we have to be intentional about it. Because otherwise, I just think it's easy to forget. But maybe this is, this would be a good time to reevaluate your family's finances and to just have a look like that picture of the the guy with all of his pots, just to have a think again. It, it might have been like many years since you reevaluated your finances. Just reevaluate again and think like, what can I intentionally do with it with the money that I had? And then it's not just about having loads of money as well, because, you know, the poor widow who, who um, Jesus saw giving to the offering at the temple, she gave, she gave everything that she had, and it was actually nothing, it was pennies, but Jesus said that she'd given more than anyone else. So as with Edgerton, the discipleship, it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. So you might not have a spare 10 pounds to give to someone, but if you've got a spare pound, and you invest that in the kingdom, in what you think God would want you to do. He sees at heart, and that's what matters. That is storing up treasures in heaven. God isn't interested in the amount as much as he is interested in the heart of a disciple who says, yes, Lord, I've cracked it. I understand your teaching. My life does not consist in the abundance of my possessions. I need to share what I have. So, Lord, may you be at work, In our hearts this morning and remind us again for any of us that have been plagued with envy, for any of us that have been plagued with uh, greed or lust for more things Lord may you remind us again today that we are wealthy and we have everything we need and I pray that you would um, mould our hearts and get our hearts into a position where we can share And I pray, Lord God, that out of Efton Forest Community Church, there would be a massive, huge difference made to this world and that the kingdom would really come through us, Lord God, that that would be a stamp upon us as individuals and as a church that we are generous, that we are a generous people who know how to share. I pray that over us, Lord God, that that would be who we are. Thank you, Jesus. Help us. Help us to digest this and um, what I've shared. Help us to make changes. Speak to us. We welcome you to speak to us, Lord, God. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. We pray all of these things in your precious name. Amen.